Good morning. Good morning. It is good to see everyone here this morning. Uh, we welcome you to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. If this is your first time here, we, we extend you a, a special welcome, and we're glad that you've chosen to worship with us today. The arrangement here in front of us today is in honor of Charles and Daphne Bridges. And so we wanted to, to notice that. Um, and so it's in honor of Charles and Daphne this morning.
Listen as I share Mark 12, verse 30 and 31. Love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second commandment is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Look around you. These are not your neighbors. These are your friends. Your neighbors are on Oak Street. Your neighbors are raising their grandchildren. Your neighbors are walking to church to get food in the cold with flip-flops. Your neighbors who you can call their name and know their needs. Your neighbors feel gratitude and thanksgiving because we are here trying to feel God's commandment. Your neighbors say, thank you, God bless. Your neighbors say, remember me in prayer. God's commandment, be thankful that he has met our needs so that we can meet the needs of others. I thank you, Lord, for Lawrence, Tim, Sophia, Brandon, and the list goes on and on and on. There is no greater commandment than this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Our hymn of praise this morning is hymn number 372, Come Ye Thankful People, Come. 372. If you are able, please stand and join in singing.
I invite the children to come forward for lesson on the steps. What do we celebrate this week? Thanksgiving. And what do we do on Thanksgiving? Eat turkey. Eat turkey. Georgia, how about turning around here so I can see your pretty face? There you go. All right, long, long time ago when we had pilgrims and Indians, they didn't have things on their plate like we do. They didn't have a lot to eat. They didn't have a lot of growing time. And when they sat down for Thanksgiving, they had five kernels of corn. Look at there. Miss Ellen's got five kernels. Now, this morning in Sunday school, we talked about things that we were thankful for. But I've got an ear of corn that says, God loves me. That's right. Is that right? And I have an ear of corn, a kernel of corn, that says, God provides for me. What do you have in your bag today, Luke? Cheerios. That's right. God gives us things that we need. And then I have another kernel of corn that says, we need to be thankful for our friends. Ella, who is one of your friends? Who is a friend? Can you tell me their name? How about Claire? All right, we, there, there you go. All right, and family. James and Jude have a big family, don't you? And you'll have a big Thanksgiving celebration, won't you? And then the last kernel, God listens to our prayers. And we, remember, we need to remember to say thank you, don't we? Thank you for all the kernels of corn that will be on our plate today and be on our plate every time we sit down because we don't have just five kernels anymore. God gives us plenty, doesn't he? So when we sit down on Thanksgiving, wherever we may be and whoever we may be with, we need to remember to be very thankful. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gifts that you give us. I thank you for these children, for their homes, for their family, for their growing faith. I ask that as we all approach the day of Thanksgiving, that we thank you for our many blessings, for our friends, our family, our faith, and this church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning once again, and I want to just welcome you again to Bowling Springs Baptist Church. We're glad you're here. It'll be uh, just a special day and a special service. Uh, we're grateful for our handbell choir and they're leading us in, in our call to worship this morning and Ellen's words. So thank you for your call to worship and your children's sermon. And she's busy, so that's okay. Um, but we, again, are glad that you're here today. Let me invite you and encourage you to be back this evening. Uh, at 6 o'clock, we have our uh, Garden Web Community Thanksgiving meal. I know we have several students here from Garden Web, so invite some friends and come back and join us. There'll be plenty of food, and uh, I'm sure you will respond with that. Uh, I heard plenty coming from the choir back here. Uh, plenty of sides and baskets tonight. The church will be providing the meat and the drink and the bread, but we encourage you to come and bring sides. But we know we will have many Garden Web students here, and that's always just a special time. So come and join us this evening at 6 o'clock. And then this Tuesday night at 6.30, I just want to emphasize that again. Uh, Rusty Strap will be preaching. Uh, there will be 
several churches here. We were adding maybe a few members from Calvary Baptist where he is filling in right now as well. And, but just encourage you to be here for that special time. Before I pray this morning, let's remember uh, Bob Blackburn. He fell early this week, broke his hip, has been, he's had surgery now, and he is now at White Oak. And this has all transpired this week. Uh, Bob, the family said it was okay for me to say this. He's very confused right now and just struggling. And so be in prayer for Bob and for the family as they navigate these next few days and weeks ahead. Um, And so they would very much appreciate our thoughts and prayers. We truly are grateful and we have so much to be thankful for. Let's go now to the Lord in a word of prayer. Gracious God, we come to you this morning offering you praise and thanksgiving. We come acknowledging that you are the giver of all good things. We thank you for the needed rain that you sent us this weekend, for family, friends, and daily provision. This morning we give you thanks. This morning help us to worship you in a spirit of humility and gratitude. You satisfy our hunger with the bread of life and satisfy our thirst with living water. God, it is with joy and thanksgiving we celebrate your goodness that has been bestowed upon each of us. Forgive us, Lord, when we are thankless and indifferent to the needs of others. To those struggling at this hour with not enough, we pray for provision. To the families in our community needing strength and answers to tough questions, oh God, we pray for direction and courage to help them face the days ahead. God, for those who have not put their faith and trust in you, we pray you would awaken their hearts to you today. For those dealing with physical pain and struggles, we pray for your healing touch. For those dealing with the reality of new seasons in life, we pray they would know that you are with them. As we continue in our worship, speak to us in ways that we need to be spoken to, restore us, renew us, and fill our hearts again with your love. Show us what it means to be truly grateful and to return us to your presence. Thank you for your love. Help us to follow the one you sent to guide us, the bread of life that came down from heaven, Jesus the Christ. Thank you for forgiving us time and time again. In the name of Jesus, the name above all names, we offer this prayer. Amen. Our hymn is number 61, We Gather Together. Hymn number 61. If you are able, please stand and join in singing.
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercies endureth forever. Father, we thank you today. Help us to not just be thankful this week, but to be thankful every day for the blessings that you give us each day. Help us to give generously, help us to give boldly today so that your kingdom may spread. In the strong name of Jesus we pray, amen.
Thank you, choir and Roger, Cheryl, and Michael. Glad to have you with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. Gospel of John, chapter 6, beginning at verse 25 through 35. These words will be on the screen, but you can also find them there in your pew Bible or the one that you might have brought with you. This text has several passages with words from our Savior. John chapter 6, begin reading at verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Each year we gather with friends and family for the holidays, and there are certain memories, there are certain sayings that rise to the top for us each year. Your mind may go back now to childhood, mine does. Growing up in uh, Hendersonville or in Flat Rock, my parents have a history that was outside of that area. And if you don't mind, I'll share that with you briefly. But uh, growing up, I remember very vividly leaving Flat Rock and hitting Interstate 26 and then hitting, hitting Interstate 40, headed past Greensboro to Burlington and north from Burlington to the county where there's nothing but tobacco fields and cornfields, Caswell County, North Carolina. That's where my mom and dad grew up. Dad a little bit more so in Rockingham County. But anyway, that's the direction. But in 1964, dad was given an opportunity uh, in his mid-20s to travel to Black Mountain, North Carolina for kind of one of these temp jobs, a part-time job that, where they would put him up in a hotel and, and pay him a decent salary. And so mom stayed behind, dad moved to Black Mountain. About a year later, mom moved to Black Mountain and they uh, lived in Swannanoa there, right near Black Mountain for about a year. And about that time, dad was offered a more permanent position at General Electric at GE in Hendersonville. So in 1966, my dad did what many were not doing in that era and moved uh, about three and a half, four hours away to Hendersonville, or actually to Flat Rock. I built the home that I grew up in. Mom's family had a tough time with this. Uh, they said, well, uh, you guys are probably not going to be coming back that often. And dad made the promise to uh, my mom's family that we will be coming back. And that was a promise that they kept almost monthly until just in the last few years. But not only did they keep that before my sister and I were born, but they kept that promise after we were born. And so every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, every holiday, I have no idea what my home church was doing because I wasn't there. I was at my grandparents' church. 
a church by the name of Bush Arbor Primitive Baptist Church, where my mom and dad were married. Um, church where there's no sound system, a church where there's no instruments, no instrumentation, a church where there's a few people over on this side, somebody would start singing and they would kind of start chiming in and they would kind of lead the congregation in song. A church every uh, Mother's Day, I would wear a red carnation and for those whose mothers were living and then a white carnation for those whose mothers had passed. So this is the place where I have vivid memories. And so we would gather with family on these holidays. I would play football at times with the cousins. I would walk on my uh, grandparents' land and explore as a young child might do. I saw deer uh, as, as I was out doing that. Um, I would explore in the old tobacco barns, because I told you in Caswell County, the only thing that's there is tobacco fields and cornfields. And if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. I think we have some that hunt in that county here in our church that travel up there. But every year I would do this. I would, again, explore in the old tobacco barns, and it was the first time that I ever shot a pistol. My dad had a revolver and I shot that and a 16 gauge shotgun. And so as a kid, that was a pretty cool, pretty cool thing to do. And we couldn't do that where I grew up. But not only were these the things that I did, but there were certain sayings that are maybe are popular, were popular in my family. And there may be certain sayings that were popular in your family. Your mind may go back to those. One of those was my sister and I, this is nothing special, but my sister and I would always hear mom saying, don't you let me burn the bread. And what that meant was mom had burned the bread in the past. All the family started coming in. She would get distracted. All the big cooking was done ahead of time, right? So the last thing to do is you put the bread in, you warm it up. And mom would get distracted and would burn the bread. So she would look at my sister and say, don't you let me, my sister and I said, don't you let me burn the bread, which we would get distracted and the bread would still often burn as well. But the saying that sticks out in my mind the most, the, the, the one that I remember the best was those famous words that whether the dinner was at my parents' house in, in latter years or whether the dinner was at my grandparents' growing up, these famous words that may be uttered at your Thanksgiving day or whenever you gather, everything's ready, y'all come on. Can I get an amen? Those are good words. You know you're about to sit down and partake of some good food. Oh, how we long to hear those words. It not only meant good food, but it also meant that there were, it just, it, it, it symbolized so many things. Again, similar words that will be spoken this year. But as we begin to move into our text, our story today from John 6, I invite you to do something that I believe some of you may have already begun to do this morning. And some of you may do this every week when we gather for worship at 11 o'clock or 1055, as you may already begin to think about food. So can I ask you to do that this morning as well? Can you think about food for a moment? But not just, not just any food, but think about food in the first century. And think about the crowds that had followed Jesus to hear the words that he had to say. And to think about the young lad who was there with five loaves and two fish that we read about just before our text today. Bread was the main part of the meal in this time. It was the staple of existence. Only those in lofty places would eat fish and meat on a more regular basis. But here in John 6, as Jesus stood on the hillside and the crowds are coming to him, here where there were no quick snacks and snack shops and flying pigs, it was here Jesus is rising now in popularity and many had followed him up on the mountainside. Earlier in John 6, Jesus asked Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? Jesus knew what he was about to do. So again, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saw the boy with the five loaves and the two fish. 
And we know what happened. Jesus distributed those and performed a miracle and fed over 5,000 people that day on the hillside, enough so that the scripture tells us there were 12 baskets of leftovers following the feeding of the multitude that day. And I wonder, did the people remember Jesus saying near the beginning of his ministry that man shall not live by bread alone? Did they remember, did they make a connection to the words in the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread? We're not sure. Also interesting, Jesus, the bread of life, was born in Bethlehem. I referenced this several years ago when we focused on this sermon, when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Beth is the, in Hebrew means house, and lehem, L-E-H-E-M, means bread. And so Jesus was born in the house of bread, which is quite interesting. But uh, lehem can also mean sustenance as well. He is our, he gives life and sustains life. He nourishes our lives. He is our nutrients. He is our provisions. So to have bread was to have life and sustenance. And so many followed Jesus as he multiplied the bread and the fish that day on the hillside. Many began following Jesus. When Jesus identified himself as the bread of life, four times in the chapter of, in uh, chapter six of John, he was saying, I am fundamental and essential part of my diet for my hearers. Some saw the bigger picture, but most did not. It is into the setting that Jesus reminds those following him in verse 26, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Poignant words, I imagine, to the crowd and to those who could understand what Jesus meant that day. And in verse 27, verse 27, he says, do not look for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Grace is an image that I have there, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father has set his seal. And then in verse 29, Jesus says these words. He says, believe in me. People were following Jesus because their stomachs were filled. And Jesus took that opportunity in verse 29 to say, believe in me. The Greek word is pistuo. It means to believe, to entrust, to have faith or to have confidence in. As we look deeper into these words of Jesus, I don't think he was scolding the crowd that day for coming to him because their stomachs were hungry. I think Jesus was disappointed that the crowd did not expect more. Not more bread, but something more. Moses and Aaron, and not to mention God, may have been disappointed that Israel did not expect more. Not an Egyptian deli in the desert, but that God who delivered them from slavery would also sustain them in the desert. So why don't we expect more from God? We know we've been blessed and we know who he is, when we hear the words, everything's ready, y'all come on, we expect good food, and that's fine. But the invitation extended to the table to each family gathering is more than an invitation to eat good food. And I think we all know that. It's an invitation to strengthen relationships with family, maybe family that we don't always get to see that often. So when we say and we hear those words, everything's ready, Y'all come on, we know good food is waiting, but we also know that the relationships that are garnered, the catching up that will take place between the family is more precious than what we are putting in our mouths. 
Jesus was inviting all to the table and not just to fill their stomachs, but to walk into closer fellowship with him. Trust me, not only for food, but I have so much more for you than simply food. In this passage, Jesus called himself the bread of life. But what's unfortunate, again, is that many were following Jesus as if he would be this mobile fast food restaurant. Jesus fed their stomachs, and so now we are going to follow Jesus. There's something special about this man. We don't know everything he's saying. We can't comprehend. We don't understand everything he's saying. But there is something special about him, and we are going to follow him. Today's message carries an important lesson for us this Thanksgiving, this Sunday before Thanksgiving. We, like those fed on the mountainside, should should seek Jesus not because we are being fed or blessed, but we should come seeking the creator and the giver of all good things. We should be seeking the one behind the blessing. We all know here this morning that we've been blessed. And I hope you, if you haven't, that you're doing that today, taking stock in the ways that you have been blessed. But I hope and pray, and I think there's other parables that are coming to my mind in, uh, in the scriptures right now, but my hope and prayer is that not only will we thank God for those current blessings, but we will look to the one behind those blessings. And just as we come to the table for a good meal, we will also come to the table of our Lord's presence, desiring a deeper and stronger relationship with him, realizing that he desires so much more for us than to simply bless our lives with good things. Are you and I pursuing and are we seeking the giver of all good things? We should be seeking Christ regardless if he's blessing us or not. As we talked about what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a, a pupil, a follower of Jesus Christ, we talked about that several months ago, and it's the fact that whether God is blessing us or not, whether he's pouring out his richest blessings on us or not, we have been called to follow, and we have been given so much. This morning around 8 a.m., as I often do when I come to church around that time on most Sundays, I'll come into the sanctuary and just kind of look, you know, make sure that something's not in disarray or just kind of make sure that, you know, things are ready. And this morning I was uh, taken back a little bit. I came in and you see now how the sun is, has risen and so it's shining more down this way. But about 8 a.m., the sun was shining more directly across the entire sanctuary. And so the flags were illumined in the back by the sunlight. The bells were glowing, the brass here, and, and everything was so beautiful down front. And um, the title of my sermon today popped in my head. Everything's ready. Y'all come on. Because the seats, I mean, it was completely empty in here. I was the only one here. Everything's ready, y'all come on. And as I started to think more about that, more than just people in the pew, more than just ringers behind these bells and, and choir in the loft, Jesus not only invites us to come to worship and to sing and to listen and to participate, but he invites us to pursue him. He invites us into his presence. And so it's not just our presence here that is valued, although that is very much valued. Uh, but there's so much more than simply our presence in the pew that he is after. He is not only wanting us to come to this place to worship, but he's also wanting this time that we have in experiencing his presence to draw us into closer fellowship with him so that when we leave this place, it's not just something we come here and experience his presence and then go on about our lives as if we've never been in his presence. But it's an invitation, just like the invitation to the table is not just for food, but it's for closer fellowship with those to whom we share it with. When we come to this place to worship, God invites us into his presence. But when we leave this place, 
We are still living our lives, hopefully, in his presence. So everything we do, everything we see, everything we're about, everything we're involved in should be about advancing the kingdom of God. As we will come to the dinner table this Thanksgiving, and as you partake of the bread, do so remembering that Jesus is the bread of life. The bread that fills our lives today with hope and purpose, but bread that also sustains us in the here and now, and bread that gives us eternal life. If we partake of this living bread, Jesus tells us that we will live forever. In John chapter six, near the end at verse 51, Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. As I begin to conclude this morning, are we, are you ready for Christ to say, everything is ready, y'all come on. We may hear this collectively and go together. Many of us will hear that call individually. Everything is ready, Keith, come on. You put your name in there. Are you ready to hear Christ say those words to you today? Everything is ready. Come on. In John 14, verse 2, a few chapters after chapter 6, we, we hear the words of Jesus, I go to prepare a place for you. And one day, if we put our faith and trust in him, we will all hear those words. Everything is ready. Y'all come on. A few chapters before this, in John chapter 3, verse 16, a very familiar passage of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes, Pistuo again, whoever puts his trust, whoever puts his faith and his confidence in me, will not perish, but will have everlasting life. I can't think of anything greater for you and I this Thanksgiving than to know that we stand together with our Lord and Savior, that we have put our faith in him, that we are not following him just because he's given us some good things, just because he's provided for us, but we are following him because we know who he is. Jesus said, believe in me. Not only is he the answer to eternal life, but he's our answer to the sustenance to the food that we need daily for our living. Sure, we need normal food, but Jesus uses that metaphor of himself being the sustenance, of him being the source of life, the bread of life for his hearers there on the hillside in the first century. And he is here today extending that same invitation to us today. Everything is ready. I've done all that I can do. Please come. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that when we read it, that when we uh, allow it to, when we, to use a food word, I guess digest it, Lord, it, it does things in us. It moves us. It challenges us. These are not just words on a page of some other book that we may read, but Lord, these words have life. And so, Father, as we move into this time of celebration, of thanksgiving this, this week, I pray, Lord, that as we gather around the table and as we may hear, even hear those words, everything's ready, y'all come on. We know we're about to partake of some good food, but Lord, help us to partake of the fellowship that comes from those hours and those times together. And Lord, help us to uh, think about that spiritually as well. 
And Lord, help us to not come to you only for what you provide for us, but Lord, help us to come to you and to garner and to strengthen that relationship with you so that we simply uh, do come into your presence with humility and with gratitude. God, we love you and we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray if there's anyone here today that's not ready to hear those words, that they would put their faith and their trust in you today. And Lord, for those of us who have maybe been carrying around a spirit of ingratitude recently, thinking that life's about us and that all these things, we've earned them and we deserve them, remind us, Lord, that every good and perfect gift is from you. Help us to be grateful for family and grateful for provision, grateful for opportunities to go to work, opportunities to serve others. Father, we have so much to be thankful for. This morning, we are truly thankful for your son coming as the bread of life in sacrificing and giving your all on the cross so that we can receive forgiveness of sins and hope for eternity. Lord, we love you. Still our hearts. Speak to us now as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and need to make a commitment to Christ, I'd be happy to talk with you about that. If you're here to, today and desire church membership, we invite you to come. Let's stand together and sing hymn number 379, Let All Things Now Living. Please stand. <laughs>